Hey there, listeners. Welcome to the Leadership is Changing podcast. My name is Dennis Giannoutsos, and I'm your host. I had a great interview with a guy called Chris Taylor. Chris is a published author, coach, and speaker. He is based in Christchurch, New Zealand, and he's originally from the UK. Now, Chris and I had a great discussion, in particular about his new book that's come out called Avoiding Propeller Blades. Fascinating title and a really fascinating book. The other thing we talked about is about authenticity rocks and how it's very important in leadership today. But you know what? I think he shares so much about his book and his thoughts on leadership. So let's get into the interview. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another wonderful episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast. Great to have you here with me. And I also have a guest with me today, and his name is Chris Taylor. Chris, a massive welcome to you. Hey, Dennis. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Hey, whereabouts in the world are you today? Christchurch, New Zealand. So we're both in New Zealand. Great to be talking to someone in New Zealand, this side of the world, which is all good. Now, Chris, I've given the audience a little bit of an introduction to you. Tell us a little bit more about Chris and what you do, but also a little bit more about your book. Thanks, Dennis. Yeah, Chris Taylor, um, 53 years old, born and raised in Britain in the northeast of England, emigrated in 2003 to come over here, trained initially as an engineer. I did chemical engineering and environmental engineering and had a 20-year career until I got to my early 40s and my feet just got itchier and itchier. And I couldn't resist itching those feet and diving into another world. And at the time, I wasn't 100% sure what that world would be, but it ended up being in the space of coaching and personal development. And as you alluded to, Dennis, I've just written my first book, which is quite scary, but quite exciting as well at the same time. Well, congratulations. Now, what's the title of the book? The book's called Avoiding Propeller Blades. Mm, so tell us more. With a, a tagline of self-leadership strategies to empower and transform your life. So initially it was going to be a memoir, About 18 months ago, I thought I've got four children. I'm just going to write a little curious memoir with some curly stories about the old man for my four daughters. And then I thought maybe I could make it a little bit, something more than a memoir. And I connected with Patrick Snow, who I know, you know, and a few of the, well, global speakers have worked with Patrick out there in Hawaii. And we worked together on morphing this, this errant sort of wistful memoir into being a memoir with a message. So 40 short stories between 1,500 and 2,000 words, each with a, an aha moment and some insights and Q&A for the reader. So yeah, it was, people ask me, how did you motivate yourself? To be fair, at the time I was really motivated. So I finished the content in about 11 weeks. And then it was 11 months in copy editing and design. So, but here we are. I just had the bulk delivery delivered last Friday. So my wife's looking at me saying, where on earth are you going to put those boxes, Chris? <laughs> so I've written a book. I've got a garage full of books, boxes now, books as well, which is good. Hey, listeners, Patrick Snow has been a guest on this podcast. He's on episode 102. Bring, bring Value as a Leader is the title of that episode. So check that out. That's episode 102. 
Great guy. And so Chris, congratulations. It's awesome to have the book and have it in place. And now the fun part starts, which is signing them and giving that to people. So our listeners won't be able to see it because this is audio. And but Chris is showing a beautiful sort of cover of the book as well. And very good. So check it out. Avoiding Propeller Blades is really good. Hey, Chris, so anything else about your background? I love keeping fit, Dennis. I think I'm fitter now than I've ever been. I'm 53, 54 in June. Love sport, much to my wife's chagrin. You know, I love connecting. I love conversations. I love psychology. Yeah, I love authentic people who are unafraid to be themselves. Nice. And yeah, I'm loving life. I'm very fortunate. I'm very lucky. So, and I'm grateful for my luck and good fortune in life. So, yeah. Yeah. A couple of things you just said there. So one's around your fitness and the other one's around authentic leaders. So, or authentic people. How important is it today for leaders to be authentic? I believe it's more important than ever because the risks and the stakes to the world are more important than ever. I think to be a real person and to have an audience or a following who know you are real, who can talk to you like you are real, like you respond like you're real, mm. you have the virtues of humanity. For me personally, it's number one value. Like I distilled my values a couple of years ago, authenticity and growth were the top two. So, and let's face it, we can all sniff out a fake from a thousand meters, can't we? The energy, the, the discord, the plastic nature of the language and the persona, humans are wired to be able to sniff that out. So for me, leadership and authenticity is, is pivotal today. The plastic nature. Yeah. I like, like the way you put that for sure. And people do have what I call the BS radar, right? They can pick it out big time. And so leaders are trying to be something they're not sometimes and come on. It, just be a little bit smarter about that. Now, going to the fitness side of things that you talked about, you know, being a young guy at 53, it's really good. Tell me something. What are you doing to stay fit? Well, I'm focusing on what I can do. I like my trainer says, do what you can as often as you can. So yep. I work out in the gym twice a week. I have a PT twice a week. And generally those 45 minutes are quite unpleasant. And they wouldn't be as unpleasant if I told myself a story that I'd do this by myself. So I use the PT for structure and accountability. Uh, I know I need that. I go for one run a week and I walk the dog a lot. I've got this Garmin watch and I looked last year, I think I averaged about 9,000 steps a day, but that's primarily walking the dog. So I truly believe in activity in movement. And if you can connect with friends in the same time as having some movement, that's awesome. I'm doing a mountain bike in three weeks in the West Coast here in the South Island. So, you know, that'll be testy, but it'll be camaraderie and banter and, you know, good food and drink there as well. So, mm. and that's the whole package, right? It's not mm. just in the gym and it's hard sweat and you sort of wanted to swear at the trainer because it's not always easy. And I like what the trainer's saying to you, though. It's the fact that do what you can when you can. People have this perspective of, oh, I've got to be in the gym every single day. I've got to be there one or two hours. No, I think that you can do whatever you can do. And I think what you're saying about the 9,000 steps a day, that's way better than people sitting at their desk all day because they're only doing 1,500 steps. Yeah. I'm very grateful in my life I've got the space and time to do that, you know, in sense of not being a full-time employee, for example. But I guess just jumping ahead to, to the Q&A, if I may, you, you've asked me, you know, to be a successful leader today, in my opinion, it's health. 
it's focusing on that health side of things. Yeah. Obviously, intellectually, cognitively, but also mind in any sense of mind, body, spirit. Unless we are focusing on being moderate in our decision making, being moderate in what we put in our mouths, and being disciplined with focusing on movement, for me, that's incredibly important. Yeah. Cool. All right, I'm going to take you through the question. So I've got it here with you, so it's all good. So the very first question I got with you is what the first one was, where about, so tell us more about your background. The second one is, how did you get into leadership? Yeah, well, I thought about this a lot. I wrote some notes about my thinking here, and I put down life is self-leadership. So we can, you know, have manifestations of leadership in business, at work, at sports club, even within your family unit or maybe in a religious setting. But life is self-leadership. And I guess for me, it's that pathway, that growth cycle into where's that leadership opportunity been expressed itself in my life. I'm 53, 54 this year. I was a sports captain at school, at cricket. So I played a lot of cricket. Hopefully the listeners won't fall asleep when I say that word, but it's, I played cricket for about 30 years. So I was captain of the cricket team. I've got various examples, I guess, of leadership expression. I ran a couple of small engineering teams in my engineering career in the UK and in New Zealand. So like anything and everything, it's a growth phase. It's a sense of connection with how you can influence a team and how you can grow yourself to be an effective leader. And I also, I guess I'm that type of person that if something needs organizing, I'm kind of the coordinator. <laughs> yep. So whether it's a, a social setting or or even when you know we were together in the speaking association, I put my hand up to run the Christchurch chapter. So you know, organizing bike events, I'm trying to be that type of person who puts their hand forward to lead or coordinate. But sometimes it does get a bit tiresome, and sometimes I want someone else to do that. Yep. So you're not scared of putting your hand up to volunteer to do things, depending on what it is, which is good. Self leadership is really important. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, it's not just in business, but it's also in the community. There's sporting. There's all sorts of things that we are the leader. And sometimes we are leading. And sometimes, as you said, I would like to just sit back to be the servant as well, right? And and serve some other leaders too. So not everyone puts their hand up though, do they, Chris? So it's it's not always easy. Yeah, I, I have found myself putting my hand up. And in certain environments, I grab my right hand with my left and I put it down, you know. <laughs> you can... Put your hand in your pocket. And I'd like to think I'm learning and growing and, you know, being a follower and being a team player as well as being that leader. Yep. Yeah. And being transparent about that. Mm, cool. Mm. Now, what I'm about to ask you is you may have been following several leaders, but I think that there are some leaders sometimes share with us real famous people and others, people that we wouldn't even know, but to them, it's really important as a leader. Who's your favorite leader and why? You know, I really found that question tough and no one immediately jumped out at me. I've got about five names here on my sketch pad. I'm going to go for someone who in truth autobiographically, I don't know a masses amount. From my upbringing, that figure was fairly omnipresent for a good 10 or 12 years when I was growing up in the UK. And I can't explain it specifically, but I'm going to say Margaret Thatcher, the political leader of the Conservative Party. And I think why I say Margaret Thatcher is that she came into politics as a woman at a time of extreme challenge and change. And she extolled the virtues of leadership that the country of Great Britain required at that time. And she was stoic. She was disciplined and dogmatic. 
she she slept for four hours every night and that's all she said she needed and she had a quite an unparalleled political career for a woman at that time and very much a mold breaker and so i've got other names here dennis i did find that question quite difficult but i'm going to go with margaret thatcher if you and margaret thatcher were sitting on a park bench chris having a coffee would there be one question you would love to ask her did you and Dennis really eat peas every night? Sorry, that's, that's a bit of a wistful reply. There was a political satire show in the UK called Spitting Image, and it mm -hmm. always had them two eating peas in their bedroom. I think the question would be, in all seriousness, would be, what inspired you to create and lead in the way that you did in your career? And who did you learn from, perhaps? Because mm, I think it's really important that we as leaders are developing ourselves all the time and we are learning from others too, right? So it's about who do you hook into to mentor you, coach you, just to be a role model. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, indeed. That sense of matching and connection and, and inspiration. I've got from a coaching world space, I both coaching, I'm humble from, from the States. He passed away, I think, 2015 was a meteoric figure in the world of, of coaching from, from an American football background. And he went on to coach many of the Silicon Valley you know, tech companies. And I've got in my notes here, he was raw and unapologetically authentic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yep. the teams and individuals coaching, you knew if he was going to give you a serve, you were going to get a serve, but it would be for your own sense of self-awareness and, and learning and growth. So yeah, yeah that's um, cool. That's a great example too, that one, yeah. Chris, if the title of the show is called Leadership is Changing, when we think about that title, that statement, what does that mean for you? Well, I think everything's changing all the time. It's a perennial truth of life and existence. And for me, leadership must adapt and shift with the times, with the culture, with the climate. But perhaps I'd say true, effective and inspirational leadership you know, pulls on the same core values of expression. And for me, this is around humility. Uh, it's around respect and personal responsibility and accountability. And for me, that's kind of universal, whether that goes from, you know, the time of Aristotle, you know, right through the, the, the eons and the ages to today. And I think with digital in particular, the digital universe, we need to explore how we can be effective leaders in this incredibly fast-paced and fluid, digitally connected world. Mm. And, and perhaps ask all of ourselves, how can I, how can we all as leaders adapt and grow? But also, how are we prepared to take more risks? Because I think with leadership, endemically, you can't escape risk. And with risk, you know, things are going to go well, things aren't going to go, you know, not so well. Mm. It's interesting you say that, because I just got off another recording with an attorney, speaker and coach in the U.S., but she coaches people around their assets, protection, so forth. And she, the big thing we talked about was around risk and talking about that. Yeah. So it's, it's actually an important topic to, to think about as leaders. But, you know, risk is risk, but it shouldn't stop us from doing things because, yeah. you know, we've got to go out there and make things happen. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, yeah, Christopher Luxon is in my mind's eye about the time in his you know, early stage of his political leadership. And he's going to be adapting and learning shed loads about you know, political leadership right now. And mm. that'll be testing, but also an opportunity to make your stake and claim as being a, you know, an impactful, successful political leader. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, you alluded to it before a little bit about, because we're in a fast-paced, ever-changing world, and it just seems to be getting faster with everything today, technology, data, business, social, the whole lot. What do you reckon a leader needs to have or put in place or do on a regular basis to be successful in that fast-paced, ever-changing world? Well, paradoxically, I believe they need to pause and stop. I think it's essential. We can all get carried away in the tsunami of communication, email, and instant messaging, and being a slave to your inbox. I think it's crucial for balance and energy for leaders to take time out and to not be self-sabotaging on opting to take that time out or that pause because ultimately that's serving their health and their health will reflect in more optimal decision-making in the time that they're in the boardroom or in their workplace. So look, let's face it, we're, it's, we're criminally overconnected today with digital and mm. all forms of media. Mm. So to have the self-acknowledgement and permission to pause, stop, or have, have a break or that weekend away, despite the inbox overflowing, I think is incredibly important. Yep. Yeah. Yes. You know, we, we see these instances of burnout and those individuals or leaders saying, I can manage it, I can handle it. And hey, pressed it two or three, three years later, they might be, you know, the little white coats might be around them. So mm. I think it's important to give yourself permission to pause and stop and maybe contextualize what's important. Ask yourself what's truly important and, uh, you know, be disciplined what does have your time and attention. I think the word that you used there, and I was about to say to you before as well, was, and I wrote it down as you were talking, was permission. It's actually giving yourself that permission. You know, people say to me, oh, how did you recover from COVID so quick? Or are they illnesses? Well, I've given myself permission to take time out to recover. And I'm not self-sabotaging myself, as you said, about it. Because if I give myself permission, I've given myself permission. Now let's focus. It's done. And we're okay. Where people who don't then are thinking about, worrying about, feeling guilty about, all these kind of things. And come on, it's just a little bit. Give yourself that permission. I like it. I like the way you say it. Mm. Thanks. Yeah. And the other thing too is around the balanced energy and taking time out. Any thoughts on what leaders can do to get that balance? Because I know a lot of us, we talk about it and sometimes it's a buzzword, but anything practically what people can do? I think it's going back to what's important in their lives. I mean, if it's their family life, for example, it's being open and honest and earnest about your actions and your time commitments. If you truly value and love your family, it's asking yourself, well, what's the evidence of my love commitment? If we're doing 60 or 70 hours a week in a, in a job of work or in a leadership role, that's not coherent or consistent with that value set. So I think sometimes it needs an awakening. Maybe, you know, if you ha happen to have a coach in and around you, it's having that awareness and awakening to be legitimate to take that time off or yeah. book that schedule for more exercise and hey you, you might fight it initially but you know in truth your health is number one so yeah and then it's just a question of commitment and following through yeah that's good really good now we've been talking about leadership through the lens of a leader now if we were to sort of change that and look at through the lens as an employee how has employees expectations of leaders changed yeah, I've been an employee, I think, since 2010. However, I do work with employees in my work as, as a coach. But I would say adaptability and flexibility 
I think increasingly the onus is on the employer to provide that sense of flexibility in the workplace. And that could be around homeworking or, you know, more flexible working arrangements or contracts, perhaps around, you know, family, paternal and maternal leave. But also I think linked to that is having more of a care focus. There's a big movement in, you know, in the wellness space today, and it's rightfully in the workplace. So I think as an employee today, I would want to connect with an employer who demonstrated that adaptation, the flexibility and the genuine care, because I'd want to be felt like, you know, I'm, I'm a human being in here doing this job of work and to have that sense of connection that the employer cares about me as an individual and I'm not, you know, I'm not commoditized. Part of the reasons for leaving my engineering career was I felt, you know, I was a little turbine in a box doing my timesheet by 2 p.m. every Friday. And I remember getting a, a little red line email from the CFO if I hadn't done my timesheet. And I thought, wow, I haven't even met this guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I think. And also, the, you know, the millennial, their needs are different to, to ours, or I say ours, of our generation, Dennis. So I think... We've got to be, as leaders, we've got to be adaptable to what the genuine, you know, emotional growth, behavioral needs of, say, the millennials and adapt in and around that. Very good. And a lot of leaders, sometimes some leaders struggle with it, struggle with the millennials or the different generations within their organization, don't know how to handle it. And then there's others who do it very well. And the ones who don't, you can see the people leave and they vote with their feet. They're off. They're gone. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I do think with, with technology and the internet, perhaps the last 20 to 30 years, that impact on, you know, social skills and the impact on how we interrelate has been more pronounced perhaps than it's ever been. And everything's, you know, the, the, the fast pace of, you know, fast love, fast work, in a job, out the job, it seems to be the way that, the, the, you know, the way their mindsets are wired, but we know that it's disruptive and expensive for these rapid changes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now, the thing here is I'd love you to get your crystal ball out now and think about the future. <laughs> where, where do you see Leisha being in five years? Well, I think it's just on an ever-evolving ever growth curve of how do we as leaders in the community or on businesses deliver, you know, deliver our, on our intents and wishes. So I think, do think, we need to go back to personal leadership and self-responsibility. And perhaps, depending on where you in and where where you are in the world, that ha that seems to accrue more privilege, right, and entitlement than in other areas of the world. So, I do think personally, I would love to see more stability. In, you know, high-level political leadership, particularly in the United States and in other areas of the world, to. Give a sense of, you know, involvement, but security at the same time, because with the advent of the internet, there's a lot of alarmism and extremism being propagated. And perhaps the tech giants and the social media giants can, can work on that to create, you know, a lesser level of sort of social panic and anxiety, you know, be it, you know, young people around climate change or the threat of World War Three or whatever is bouncing around. So that'll be a fascinating space to be in in five years' time in sense of leadership of those technologies. And yeah. Really good. Some good points there. So the fact that the, you know, how it's evolving, but the involvement and also security needed by global leaders to sort of step up and help us out that in that area. 
but personal leadership yeah. and responsibility is really key. Yeah. I mean, I think I've mentioned Margaret Thatcher. And if, you know, if you compare someone like Thatcher to, say, what's happening in the United States in the last 10 years, perhaps since Barack Obama came out of office, it's, you, you couldn't make it up. <laughs> you know, the, the, the difference in, in sort of discipline, austerity, and the idea of a, of a president using Twitter for international communications for me is just is completely banal. So, yeah, your question of leadership in the future is firstly, yeah, as I say, political stability. And then I guess for each, each and every one of us in a leadership space or to be privileged to lead is say, well, how have I grown? What have I learned about myself? If I'm with a team, how is my, you know, my language, my impact, my grace to enable them to, to spread their wings and grow as individuals? Language is an interesting one, isn't it? The words, the way we say things, the words we use. A leader today, do they need to be very careful in what they say? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, we know that you can be cancelled and slain in the social media barracks if you put a step wrong. So mm. I think like, that there is a need for being cautious and for being discreet and disciplined, but also we, in the Western world, we have to have freedom of expression for following your own sense of belief and truth. And if that's stifled by a barrier of language that you, you can't express yourself, I think that's a real threat to freedom and democracy. Yeah. I mean, I do see the, you know, the occasional leader whereby they could perhaps do with some training or tuition in how to express and convey their message, but you, you've just got to be, I think there's more caution today of, you know, even sexual references in the pronoun space and sexual identity space is quite complex. And so as a leader today, you know, they have to have the right advice and structure and language to even not put their, you know, put their foot in a pothole in a yep. keynote address or what have you. So mm, very interesting. Well, it'll be interesting to see where the whole political leadership landscape goes. In, in the future. Hey, Chris, it's been really, really, really cool to have you on the show here talking about leadership. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? Well, my new publication is Avoiding Propeller Blades. So it would be www.avoidingpropellerblades.com. Excellent. Um, and I would say that's propeller with an E. So I think the, the, the US spelling is with an A. So that's okay. We'll, you know. we'll put that into the show notes so the, the listeners can see it and refer to it as well. So listeners do check that out. But Chris, once again, thank you for joining me. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much, Dennis. Excellent. Well, there you go, listeners. Just make sure you are avoiding those pillar blades, as uh, Chris has talked about. And don't be scared to put your hand up as a leader. Margaret Thatcher is a great example of leadership and a woman who has led at extreme challenges and during change as well. So we are in an evolving kind of way where leadership is happening and embrace that change. Hey, thanks for joining us. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 